Hello, and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast also aims to promote a society with people of integrity by building the necessary values through these kinds of discussions. My name is Ferami Adeola and I am the host of this podcast. Welcome! Emeka's Money animated film launched on Friday, May 29th, and it was a wonderful time with our panelists. In this podcast episode, we share with you the results from the first panel discussion on the launch day. In this panel, we have Dr. Lena Hoffman, Mr. Waziri Adio, Mr. Oliver Stope, as well as Ekanem Basi. And four of them will be discussing today combating corruption through the storytelling approach. Enjoy. So like I said earlier, we'll be discussing combating corruption through challenging social norms. Um, and I'll start with Dr. Lena, please. Um, what, are those, what are some of those social norms that drive corruption that you can tell us about? Uh, good evening, everyone. It is an absolute pleasure to be here and I'm very excited about the launch today. And Farami, thank you so much for hosting and um, for having me on this panel. Um, so, um, like you said in the introduction or introducing the panel, um, we've been working in uh, social on social norms of corruption for a couple of years now. We have had the opportunity, and when I say we, I'm talking about the Chatham House Africa program um, of working in Nigeria in particular um, through the generosity of DFID. And our most our more recent work on social norms has been um, funded very generously by the MacArthur Foundation. So we're kind of sisters in 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 funding opportunities from MacArthur, and it's very uh, exciting and very very um, it is very meaningful um, that foundations like MacArthur are investing um, funding and supporting evidence gathering around social norms. Um, particularly around uh, um, um, corrupt behaviour. So I think uh, one of the top lines that I, or one of the top points I wanted to make um, as we talk about norms that drive corruption is um, um, social norms work is very, very exciting and very, very interesting now and seems to be um, kind of like a buzz uh, uh, kind of um, area of analysis. Um, but what we have been doing in the work we've done in Nigeria is really trying to um, operationalize our understanding of social norms. Even though corruption is pervasive, that does not mean that every kind of pro- uh, corruption is driven by social norms. So when we began our research around evidence gathering, around social, uh, around norms of corruption, it was really, really important to be able to delineate what kinds of uh, behavioural drivers inform different kinds of corruption. Um, um, social norms, uh, um, norms tell us, and I think maybe also starting off with a general understanding of what social norms are. Um, there are different definitions or understandings of social norms. Um, one that I think is quite helpful, um, particularly in delineating different kinds of drivers of behavior, is understanding social norms of mark as markers of behavior, how we behave in society. Um, an example that works really well for me is that I am left-handed. I am strongly left-handed. I fully understand that in Nigerian society, when I am in Nigeria, I am not meant to use uh, my left hand to give things to people. I'm very sensitive to that. So 
social norms, um, there has to be like an enforcement mechanism behind a, 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 a norm for it to be a social norm. There have to be incentives and sanctions that 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 enforce that kind of behavior as a social norm. So one of the norms that we found um, one of the um, in the work that we did around social norms, particularly on bribery in law enforcement context, we found that if you um, disaggregate the behavior of um, of bribery in law enforcement, you would find that on one side of that behavior, there's a different driver of that behavior. So on the side of soliciting a bribe, that's from uh, law enforcement, police, um, vehicle inspection, etc., there was a strong social norm of asking for a bribe, for soliciting a bribe. And that points to uh, or pointed to pressures within law enforcement or, and that particular group for asking for a bribe. But we found that um, in uh, in the giving of a bribe, so bribery giving, there wasn't a social norm that informed that kind of behavior. People engaged in that behavior because they saw other people doing it. So it's really, I think, what were the, one of the highlights of talking about social norms or norms of corruption is being able to break down which parts of a behavior are independent, so independent of, of um, what other people are doing, and what parts of behaviors are interdependent and social norms of corruption are interdependent kinds of behaviors. So um, norms of corruption um, that drive corruption in Nigeria, some of the norms that we find um, are, are around social pressures. So sociability norms. So these are norms around uh, reciprocity. Do me, I do you. Those are quite strong norms that, that inform the way people respond in situations where they feel pressure to, 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 um, to engage in a particular kind of behavior. There are in-group kinds of uh, social pressures or, or norms. So these relate to um, um, uh, pressures to, say, give a job to someone from your village, someone mm -hmm. from me. Those types of things. And finally, um, there are norms um, or social drivers um, that are horizontal and uh, are vertical. So we found this particularly, and dialing back to the example I was giving about um, law enforcement or bribery in law enforcement, there are very, very powerful um, social pressures within that context that drive uh, solicitation of, of bribery. So horizontal in terms of um, from other colleagues. So these are group dynamics that are very, very powerful. And the ways in which you will inter intervene in those kinds of behavior will be very, very different if um, you are dealing with a norm um, or a behavior that was just informed by just people engaging it because other people engage in that kind of behavior. So and then um, vertical, so pressures from people um, from um, more senior uh, ranking officials in police force, for example, these are very powerful drivers of behavior. So I think just to conclude on um, norms that drive corruption, um, what I find um, or what I think is very, very exciting about the work that you are doing and the increasing um, um, highlighting and underscoring of the power of, of um, motivations and social drivers and social influences on corruption is that we're beginning to have conversations of um, the unwritten rules that reinforce corruption in places um, like Nigeria, where corruption seems to be pervasive. And these complement um, enforcement, um, the um, enforcement from, say, anti-corruption agencies, and are particularly very, uh, very, very important.
So just on that note, um, I think I'll just stop there and let the uh, panelists contribute. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you very much for um, those contributions. I would like to kindly ask everyone again, welcome to those who just joined. Please ensure that your camera is switched off through the discussion as well as your microphone so that everyone can see the panelists as they speak. Um, Mr. Waziri, I cannot see you. I'm not sure if it's just from my end or if your camera is not yet on. But my next question is for you. Um, so, sir, please, just following up from what Dr. Hoffman has um, spoken of, what are some other social norms that you can point out that drive corruption in Nigeria? Okay, um, thank you very much. I hope uh, everybody can hear me. Yes, sir, clearly. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, thank you for, for inviting me to this panel and congrats to Step Up uh, Nigeria, uh, Basement, Makato, and others uh, for supporting this. I think this is a very important conversation to have, uh, especially at uh, the time like this. Um, it's difficult to speak after um, a doctor, but I'll give it a good, um, a small shot. Um, I think the fourth thing I want to say is that um, we need to look at um, what are we talking about in terms of social norms. Uh, basically, uh, building on what um, uh, Dr. Hoffman said, um, it's about shared understanding about what is right and what is wrong, what is permissible, uh, uh, what is expected, and what is obligatory. Um, so if we look at it in that uh, sense, I also want to lean on what uh, Dr. Kolesh said about looking at behavioral change. Um, in most instances, uh, when we do this analysis, uh, we, 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 we start with what we can observe, which is the head behavior. Uh, people are engaged in practices. But if you uh, take this approach, uh, you have to uh, scale back uh, two steps. Uh, the first is that uh, before you get to behavior, uh, you have attitudes you know, that condition people to such behaviors. And before you get to attitudes, uh, you also have value systems. Um, so you have some... So you have to look at it at three levels, uh, values, attitude, and behavior. Um, so talking about social norms um, are not necessarily negative or the uh, But when we are linking it to the ones that enable corruption, I think we can look at it in, in, in two ways. The first one um, are norms around, around how we conceive of public, uh, you know, or government generally. Um, we have a very uh, problematic relationship with public office. Uh, we see it as a, a domain that belongs to nobody uh, and a place where everybody goes to help themselves. Uh, a domain where certain things that we consider to be immoral uh, in the private domain, I'm also leaning on uh, the famous paper you know, by, by, by Peter Eke and other people that spoke about uh, the bifurcation of morality, where you have two realms, where you have the private realm and you have the public realm. Uh, and the private realm is the realm of uh, morality, uh, where you have all the norms uh, enforced, uh, is a normative realm. But you also have the public domain seen as a moral, and where many things that are not allowed in the, in the private domain uh, are seen as permissible or okay. Uh, with a long story, but uh, the, 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 um, the sum of it is that we, we unnecessarily idolize public office. Uh, we see it as a place where people can do anything that um, 
uh, they want, and they can get away with uh, so many things. So, um, so that is one set of norms. I'm going to talk more about them um, uh, shortly. The second are uh, norms that are not necessarily negative, that serve well in, in other domains. But when you apply them to the public domain, they become problematic. Uh, so let's start from the public domain uh, kind of norms, you know, the way we configure public office uh, uh, in, in, in much of uh, This is a place where uh, um, you, 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 you are there to help yourself. It's not necessarily about service. Uh, you are there to help yourself and it belongs to you and you are lucky to be there. And certain things are expected of you. You are expected to take care of yourself. Let me give you an example. Um, if you see somebody in public office, there are certain things we expect as standards. We expect them to live well, even when uh, their, 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 their salaries cannot take care of that. Um, and we expect, and when they do certain things that uh, ordinarily we should have thrown out, uh, we look at it and oh, these people have done well for themselves. So if somebody lives about their needs in public office, we don't throw at it because that is what everybody expects. That is what uh, we think is, is okay. Uh, we also expect people to not just help themselves, but to also help their own. Uh, so you are supposed to help your family members, you are supposed to help your friends, uh, you are supposed to help people from your ethnic groups, you know, and, all, and so on and so forth, which we also saw in the, uh, in the, in the film, you know, um, that uh, is about being presented. The other thing is that um, there is about, you know, uh, uh, about, about being appreciative, which is not necessarily negative. You know, being thankful, being grateful, right? But by the time you put that in public domain, uh, what it means is that um, you're effectively giving people bribes. So uh, uh, because of the way we look at it, we think that the people in public office are actually doing us a favor by giving us a job. And we're supposed to, 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 to reciprocate by, by being thankful. So it's expected that, you know, you are, you are supposed to give them something in return. You know, the other part is that because of red tape, public office, there are also certain things that people engage in uh, to just get by, uh, to, to, to simplify things for them, you know. So this is expected that uh, uh, you, 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 um, you, you pay a small price. That's the small price you need to pay uh, to make sure that, uh, that, that, things, uh, that things move well. So um, in summary, um, these are some of the things, you know, uh, that I've uh, encountered in my, in my work uh, in public office and other places that uh, we expect the public office to do well for themselves. Uh, we don't call it as abuse of office. We see it, we expect it. Normal. And the person that doesn't do, I don't have to say that, uh, talking about enforcement, they're actually cost to not meet some of these expectations. Uh, if you are a public official and, and you are living within your means, you are seen as somebody that's stupid. You know, um, if you are a public official and you are not giving contracts to your friends, whether they are qualified or not, you are seen as me. Uh, and it has cost. Uh, they will gossip about you. Uh, they, they are likely to ostracize you. Uh, and in some instances, uh, you might even invite uh, violence on yourself. So, uh, so the, the point is that there are some of these things that we do, uh, some of these belief systems that we have that actually enable corrupt practices. Um, the same people who talk about corruption, uh, who talk about favoritism in another place where it doesn't pay them, uh, expect, actually expect some of these things uh, from, from public office. So I will stop there you know, for now. Thank you very much, Mr. Waziri. Uh, thank you for that perspective um, from the public sector.
Um, so I'll move quickly to um, Oliver Stowe. And um, from the perspective, um, Oliver, of someone who works, you know, in this same field and the Education for Justice program, in, in your own thoughts, why do you think it's so important that we change some of these norms if we want to tackle corruption? Well, uh, thanks a lot for, for, for having me and for the question and for the opportunity, um, also the opportunity to congratulate uh, really uh, Dr. Shetima, uh, Step Up Onye um, and, and Basement Animation for, for wonderful achievement uh, today. And I am very curious how your film will be faring. Now, uh, to, to come to your question, what um, for me, the, the, the key is um, very evident, uh, obviously, Social norms are the drivers of attitudes, and attitudes, and we have the data for that, um, are the key driver to determine two types of behaviors that are so critical in anti-corruption. One is of refusing actually advances to pay a bribe, and secondly, to report bribery. And we have seen um, over over the, the, the past three years in Nigeria, I Relative, I mean, a, a slightly encouraging development in that regard. Um, there are more people today um, ready to refuse bribes, uh, to pay bribes when they're being approached. Um, and that is a good thing. And it seems the second um, issue that uh, appears to have been driving this more than anything else is actually the um, uh, is actually education. Um, it has not been the conviction that the government is effective in its drive against corruption. Because Nigerians, unfortunately, despite the government making progress, are not quite recognizing that progress. So perceptions of corruptions are actually not improving, despite the fact that experiences of corruption are Now, attitudes have been improving. More Nigerians, as I said today, are ready to, to refuse to pay a bribe is about um, one in five Nigerians when being approached actually over the course of uh, 12 months said no and um, I did so in sometimes on multiple occasions. Um, education is key. We have seen that the highest uh, number of refusals we see amongst people with tertiary education. And another very interesting uh, fact, which I cannot fully explain to be completely honest, is the fact that the greatest increase of actually negative attitudes towards uh, paying bribes um, we've seen in people with no formal education whatsoever. So in a certain way, I see this movie that um, gives actually, that reaches everyone, no matter what education, uh, no matter what background, it is not linked to formal education. And in that sense, it will be different than the, uh, the readings and the lectures we did earlier the, uh, this year and last year um, in schools, it will really reach everyone. And I hope it will actually resonate with people and do that very one critical thing to start helping people to change their attitudes towards corruption. And that will is really the first step in actually achieving sustainable changes in anti-corruption because the law enforcement part is important, but it will never in itself produce sustainable anti-corruption achievements. The moment that you take the enforcement away, the chances that we're gonna be falling back into a state where we have been before are quite high. So changing attitudes, absolutely critical. And I hope the movie will be doing exactly that. So thank you very much. 
Thank you very much, Oliver. Um, we hope so as well. Um, so Ekanem, I'll address the same question to you as well. Um, why, from a governance um, and anti-corruption you know, side of it, why, why do you think these social norms are so important to change to tackle corruption? Yes, um, so thank you very much for having me here. And uh, let me also congratulate the Step Up team for this wonderful initiative. It's quite uh, refreshing to see this actually come to, to life from, from even when you were visioning it. And to add to what Oliver has said, why is it so important that we change some of these social norms? I think that um, having seen decades of anti-corruption uh, interventions in Nigeria, uh, we are missing a key ingredient. And thankfully, the conversation around social norms has really started to gain place. Why do we see that our anti-corruption interventions are not effective or even sustainable? And that's because many traditional anti-corruption programs have not really, have not really looked at what drives uh, individual behavior. Uh, and as uh, Dr. Lila had said, in many situations in defining what social norms are, I think social norms can really drive how someone behaves in a particular situation, despite even what the law says or even what the morality of the situation says. Uh, we, are, we often follow prevailing group behaviors to gain or lose social acceptance. And so for any anti-corruption uh, intervention or even for a holistic uh, response, we actually really need to be looking at the social norms, the drivers, the key drivers, what drives uh, a corrupt behavior in any uh, setting. And, and, and also, I think so, aside from just the effectiveness and the sustainability of some of our, uh, of, uh, some of our inter uh, interventions, we may also not be doing harm uh, there, there's been a lot of evidence about uh, the, uh, some interventions that didn't really look at the individual incentives or the drivers of corruption and, and have gone on to actually do no harm. And as development practitioners, practitioners we do have, I think the, uh, we have to ensure that we're not doing harm. Uh, so for instance, I think some emerging research around uh, awareness raising campaigns that are designed to actually raise public outrage against corruption is actually leading people to believe that Corruption is actually the norm and is even said to be increasing uh, corrupt behavior in some settings. And this is because I think that before uh, designing some of those campaigns, people did not actually go to actually look at what are the drivers of corrupt behaviors in that kind of setting. Another example I want to give is a very popular example. Uh, is one in Ghana where to actually deal with uh, bribery in, uh, in the police force, uh, I think an experiment was done to raise the pay of the uh, the police officers, and this actually has shown that the social pressures on them from their, uh, from their families, from, from their kings, actually is for them to behave a certain way, actually increased because everyone knew that uh, now their salaries have increased and so the expectations on them actually increased. And this actually did not reduce incidence of uh, bribery, it actually uh, increased incidence of, of corruption. So just to ensure that our anti-corruption uh, interventions are effective, they are sustainable, and they do no harm. This is why um, the social norms conversation is very important in any anti-corruption uh, efforts that we, we are looking at. This is the reason why I think it's really important that we are having this kind of conversation in a place like Nigeria, where we've had decades and decades of anti-corruption interventions that have been semi-effective, but have not really been sustainable. I think let me end there. Thank you very much, um, Ekanem.
Um, thank you all for your contributions. Um, we hope the audience is engaging with the social norms discussion in the chat box. Um, please, we're reading your comments, so please continue to share there. Um, next, I'll go around all the panelists um, individually. Please, let's try to keep our answers to two minutes or less. Um, so I believe all panelists have seen the film and advanced screening. Um, and it was developed in a way that both parents and children can enjoy the film together. So um, we'll go around. I'll start with um, Dr. Hoffman, then Mr. Waziri, then Oliver, then Ikanem. Um, so what are your views on the film? And do you think it will resonate with families? Um, so, yeah, we had, um, I had the pleasure of watching uh, an advanced screening of, uh, of the film. And um, I think um, definitely um, what I would, um, what, what I came away uh, from uh, watching the film was, um, and I watched it with my daughter, um, and I asked her what she thought about, uh, particularly the character, the main character was pretty obvious. And she said um, she wanted to talk about the governor's behavior. And she said, I think he, the governor's behavior was bad. And I asked her why. And she explained why she thought that he was behaving uh, wrongly. So I think um, what uh, the film provides um, is a talking point um, for families, having conversations on uh, um, about values, norms of fairness, norms of integrity, having conversations around ethics, uh, um, those kinds of conversations that are necessary to have about citizenship, and being able to have those, creating those kinds of spaces and those entry points in discussion between one generation and the next generation of Nigerian citizens. So we can shift um, the, the, the locus of uh, um, uh, all the notions of reciprocity that we've all talked about. So why, uh, where we have emphasis of what should we do in exchange for certain kinds of behavior? How do we begin to shift what the social costs are, what the social incentives of engaging a particular kind of behavior? Like we've all said, not every uh, um, um, collective practice is bad, is wrong, but if we have a negative collective practice, how do we begin to create new social norms? How do we begin to create new collective behaviors and collective practices? So I think the film allows for these kinds of conversations between parents, guardians, adults, and young people, and even um, a kind of introspection for older people, um, for guardians, parents, uh, um, older, uh, older adults, to have with young people as to what um, a future of um, more universal, more common social contracts would look like for Nigeria. So I think the film has a great place um, as an entry point for those kinds of very critical conversations that Nigeria should be having now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Hoffman. Uh, Mr. Waziri, please, your views on the film. Thank you very much. I also had the privilege of watching the, 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 the film, and um, I must say I like it so much. I like it very, very much. Um, and uh, this, uh, though this was meant for kids, uh, but I think uh, this is something that would um, uh, be good for everybody. Uh, it actually extended the, 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 the 
I found the book actually. Mm-hmm. I saw the book. I, I read it. Uh, that was primarily for kids, right? Um, but this one is something that um, everybody, everybody uh, uh, can watch. Uh, everybody uh, will be uh, kind of uh, hooked in watching it. It's about 15 minutes. Okay, so uh, so I really like the I, I like the I like the uh, film for two reasons. One is that um, you know he has uh, is used in or used a compelling storytelling device, uh, you know, to look at a very complex issue. Um, uh, the other thing is that uh, it's not the unusual didactic kind of stuff, you know, that you just okay, uh, uh, this is this is right, this is wrong, this is the message. It's something that you also enjoy, you know, while watching it, you know, and this is something that um, um, I think we should do more of, uh, not just step up, uh, but all the um, uh, all the uh, individuals and groups and agencies involved with uh, uh, engaging with people, uh, with changing attitudes and all of that. So I, I really like it. I recommend it, uh, and I commend uh, uh, Step Up Nigeria. I commend uh, Basement. Uh, I would like to get their contact later. I also thank um, uh, Makato and others for supporting this. This is this is fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> it's something that will encourage conversation, not just uh, within the family, but uh, something that uh, uh, will encourage conversation across the board and will allow people to see something uh, about this corruption issue. Because we usually see corruption as, oh, some people are engaging in corrupt practices, right? Uh, what this movie has done in a very engaging and sometimes hilarious way uh, is to let people reflect about the different roles that they might also be playing, the roles of the larger society in encouraging and enabling corruption and why some of those things need to change and how we can need, we need to come up with counter-narratives because as you have some negative or some social norms that you know, uh, enable corruption, there are also some other uh, social norms uh, that you can use uh, to, to, to undermine that. You know? So we need to have this conversation, and this is a very good entry point and a very engaging one and something that will be useful uh, to, to different stakeholders and something that I would recommend. Um, we have to look at engaging ways of, 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 of telling stories, of hooking people, and um, of, of having the difficult conversations that we need to have about many issues. Thank you very much, Mr. Waziri. Thank you. Um, so next, um, Oliver, please, if you'd share your review of the film and if you believe the film would have any success in challenging some of the social norms that we've been talking about. Well, I, I sincerely hope it will, uh, of course. Um, I think it has a good chance to do so. It's it's a very engaging story. Um, it has good humor in it, so that is also, I think, why it appeals to both um, children as well as adults. Um, and uh, it, you recognize a lot of characters, uh, sort of like that you pass along um, in your life, um, sort of coming to life on the screen. But I think the the, the most um, fascinating, and that I think is why it will appeal um, to people from all age groups, um, is the fact that none of the characters is completely uh, black or white, so to speak, in a in a, in a moral sense. Um, it is uh, simply, you know, you see that change actually in Emeka himself, I think is a very inspiring one. And it gives us hope that even those ones that maybe amongst us who have failed in the past, um, you know, can do better in the future. So I think uh, it will hopefully uh, do a lot and exactly not only speak to, to, to young people, but, but really to all age groups. 
Thank you very much, Oliver. Um, so finally, Akanem, your thoughts on the film? Uh, do you believe we'll be able to change some of these social norms? And is it something that would, you know, be attractive for the whole family as well? Yes, I think like everyone has said, this this film is really powerful. Uh, it's really captured in a way that children and adults can relate to. Um, that this animation, the message is so powerful and it's so clear. I think for me, the most insightful thing about this uh, movie is that it's, it's really challenging our everyday behavior and actually showing us the cost of some of these things that we have normalized. And, and that's such a powerful message. Um, I think the, a lot of the things that go on are really normalized and people feel there are no cost to it. Uh, but it really, in a very clear way, showed the cost of some of these things that we take for granted. I also watched the movie with my my two daughters. Uh, and from the book itself, I, I have been struggling to explain to my kids what corruption is. And they just got it from the book. And then I think the the the, the, the movie itself really deepened their understanding. So I can't see this as a platform uh, for, for just having that individual conversations as a family, a family unit, but even as a bigger public, which is quite important if you want to shift some of these uh, social norms. There's a lot of evidence that, that you know, movies really raise awareness and inspire change. If you remember the inconvenient truth in 2006, it really, really brought worldwide awareness around and debate around global warming. And um, this, this movie can do this about corruption in, in Nigeria. We really need something simplified that shows us the cost of corruption. So uh, I'm quite hopeful that this, this will be a big hit. Thank you very much, Ekanem. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you, Mr. Waziri. Thank you so much for your kind contributions. Um, we thank you so much. Um, and this brings us to the end of this panel discussion. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate your partnership with Step Up Nigeria so far and hope to do more in future. If you are yet to see Emeka's Money film, please head to Step Up TV on YouTube or search Emeka's Money Animated Film on YouTube and watch the film. Please, this film is for families, so gather your children and your friends and all watch together and share your comments.